In today's episode, we have Sarah. She is a infertility life and mindset coach, as well as a podcast host. Sarah, how are you? Where'd you join us from? Doing so well. Thank you for having me. I am today. I just came back from vacation. So today I'm in Ohio um, in America. So yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for taking the time to come on Gents Touch. Sarah, tell me about your journey. Tell me about, so today's episode is going to be about relationships and kind of recovering from an infertility journey because we it's something that we don't talk about much and we suffer in silence where it'd be like how do you get back to intimacy where it'd be like how do I navigate feelings when we're trying to have a baby and conceive but it's not working but it's like so stressed and thinking about the end goal that we forget to enjoy the present moment Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's such a great um, explanation because you at first said, you know, how do you, we, we think, we all think about it this way. How do we recover from it? But the truth is that it can be a years and years marathon. And so if our only thought is like, let me get through it and then I'll take care of myself afterwards, like you're in for a world of hurt. Um, and that's what I learned. So I personally have been going through infertility or been on a fertility journey of some sort for six years. And it has caused me to have a lot of ups and a lot, a lot of downs and a lot of um, tough times and going through a lot of different things. And we've navigated three miscarriages. We have one rainbow baby. We've been trying for our second for over three years now and are still going through IVF. And very quickly, I learned if I didn't start taking care of myself and prioritizing myself, number one, I was going to lose it. (laughs) Number two, that relationship with my spouse was going to be ruined too. Um, And so that's now what I do is I work with women and yeah, just help them come back to taking care of themselves like you talked about and deal with all the heavy emotions that come up with it. Beautiful. How do you cultivate peace, right? Because because when we're so fixated, we can either lose it, we can either shame, shame, impatience, we're stressed, nothing's going according to the plan that we have. And sometimes an element of surrender is needed. Yeah, so that's a great example. So what I find is we have done a really good job in society to teach everyone it's a really bad idea to sit with negative stuff, to deal with the hard stuff. We've been taught that since we were babies, right? Like we have been taught that if it's an uncomfortable emotion, then you probably should avoid dealing with it. You should go distract yourself with food, with alcohol, with sex, with social media. You should just repress it as much as possible. And what I work with women on myself, but also with women that I'm working with on is it's okay to let those hard emotions come up. And counterintuitively, we think it's going to like open this Pandora's box and it's going to be terrible and we're never going to get out of it. But actually, the pain is intense, but it's there less because we're not resisting it. And then all of a sudden, we actually have room to like actually live a life and go on vacation, enjoy things, be present and enjoy our life right now and not just be focused on when we have that baby in our arms. So if it's difficult to do, it's, you know, you have to get buy-in that like, hey, it's worth trying this because it's uncomfortable. It's not something we've practiced or been taught to do. Yeah. What coping mechanisms did you have along the way? Ah, that's a good question. I would say as far as coping mechanisms go, for me, the biggest thing that I would do is I would 
try to, again, be as present as possible. So even if that is like, hey, I can feel like a bunch of anxiety in my body. I don't know why it's there. Let me just take 10 minutes to just like sit and just be with anxiety. And maybe that's enough. It's not a fancy meditation. It's not journaling this big thing. It's not going on this big, huge walk that like brought enlightenment, right? Like sometimes you just need that moment to just sit and be with yourself and allow honestly those tough emotions to come up, the crying, the sadness, the whatever. Um, And then I think once you get past that skill, then you can build your own coping mechanisms. And that's what I love is that it can be different for everyone. For some people, it can be yoga. For some people, it can be outside. For some people, it can be time with their friends, whatever is healing to them. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful because sometimes we want to run away from the situation, from the feelings, Mm -hmm. from just everything that we're going through in our mind so just and sometimes the easy way is to numb it to exit it to zone out but that's not really solving the issue how was your relationship with your body like how can we learn to come back and be present and be grateful and show empathy and be like it's okay we're doing this but maybe the body needs a rest I love you I appreciate you but we need to keep going yeah that's the body is a complicated one in infertility it's very common for women to be mad at their body, to hate their body, to be like, why is this not working out? What's wrong with me? Why are you broken? To feel very, very disconnected from your body. And I think we do that in little ways, right? It's not like we go from like never feeling any hard emotions to like, oh, we're just a pro and we feel them all all the time. It may be like tomorrow, I'm going to acknowledge that I feel a little bit of worry about if this next cycle is going to work. And for two minutes, I'm just going to sit and feel what it feels like to be worried. And I always talk about with clients, like if you had to describe what it felt like to feel that emotion to like an alien who had no idea what the word worry meant, what would you say? right? Like what would it feel like in your body? Where would it be? And I find that that's such a good way to get women who have been so disconnected for so long, the ability to come back to it. I always say, we all know that feeling when you're driving down the road and a cop pulls behind you, that's not really for you, but for a moment you think they are and your whole body gets that flood of, you know, feeling that anxious, shaky energy, right? We all know what that feels like in our body we have that for all of our emotions. We're just super out of touch with them. And so just practicing little pockets of time, literally for some people, that's just two minutes a week. Yeah. And then we just build from there. And I think that's the biggest thing you can do to reconnect and then start building some like kindness towards your body. Like, Hey, this thing literally got me out of bed. I was able to go work. I was able to go on a walk. I was able to take my dog out, you know, whatever it is, um, and be grateful for those things and focus on those things you can be grateful for. A hundred percent. I love that because that's so gentle because like you say, it'll work for anyone. Mm-hmm. Would it be two minutes a week? Would it be two minutes a day and slowly always coming back to it and being present? We need to make this a must do. Mm-hmm. however long it is we'll be sure and then slowly build up on it mm-hmm. how was the journey to making pain your purpose like from going through the journey with IVF to now helping women yeah it's interesting because I'm I'm living both worlds right I'm still in it and I'm helping women through it and I think the biggest thing for me is I just see how much in the world there is 
all the help to fix your body, to heal your hormones, to go and take all the supplement protocols and the dietary protocols and do all the things to, you know, quote unquote, fix yourself. And there was such a lack of anything to just say like, okay, this is really hard. This is where we are. Like, how do we just accept where we are? And so it just felt right that if I needed that, then that meant probably someone else did too. And so it just felt natural to go into that role and help other women through that too. How do you look after your feelings in the sense that after your mental health? Because sometimes when we're navigating this, we have so many emotions. So sometimes the girls may come to you and want to offload everything. Yeah. So I, I would say that as I like got trained in how I want to be a coach and how yeah. I want to manage my coaching skills, it was, you know, being taught how to coach on any topic under the sun. And one of the biggest things that I think is such a gift that coaching does give is the ability to be 100% non-judgmental. Like I'm not there to tell you what's right or wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm not there to tell you how to feel. I'm not there to tell you that you should do IVF or you should go do this or this or yeah. that. Like I am there just to listen and be kind of like an outside set of eyes on your situation. And I think being able to do that and know how amazing that's felt for me to have that in my own life allows me to just let them have their emotions, let them have their thing. Not to say I never get up in the feelings, right? But be able to step back and say like, that's their journey. And then this is my journey over here and keep them separate. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. How do we... How do we become gentle in ourselves and and allow and support our partner coming back? And because sometimes with the end goal of trying to conceive, we have the baby in mind, right? How do we come back to thinking about me and you, him and hers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So two things. One is I love your you know focus on gentle. My one of my favorite phrases, no matter what we're talking about, is the phrase of of course. And I find it so helpful because we are really good at beating ourselves up really good at that. And, you know, whenever we find that we're doing things wrong or things we could have done a better job, it's quick and easy to go into the beat. Like I said, the beating up phase. And instead, if we can shift to like, of course, this has been really hard. Of course, I felt like an emotional wreck. Of course, I feel burnout. Mm -hmm. Of course, I am feeling like so sad when someone over here tells me they're pregnant for the third time and I'm still trying. Of course, I feel super guilty that I don't want to go to this baby shower over here. It's really validating of yourself in that gentle way of like, it's okay that it's been hard. It's okay that it's been a struggle. Um, And so I think that's a gift. Now, when it comes to, I have a fly, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, When it comes to your own spouse, I think the number one thing we can do, step one is to remind ourselves we are both humans and perfect humans and we have different ways of experiencing the world. And it's really, really easy for us to go through this journey and expect our partner to show up, to feel, to experience the entire journey the exact same way that we do. And that's not reasonable. Yeah. Right. Um, we're two totally different people. One person is going through the act of trying to carry a pregnancy and the other is not. Um, one person, if they're down the journey of taking medications and everything is going through that when another likely is not. Um, so we're going to experience it differently. And I think that when we are going at it, expecting them to feel exactly like us, it can cause a lot of tension. 
And when we can just accept, hey, we're going to have different experiences, it opens up a lot more room for us to like come together and have communication and connect and actually get closer through the process rather than push each other away. What advice would you give to anyone that at this stage is like, they're getting resentful, they're going through the stress, they can't keep up with it, they're not doing date nights, it's not cuddly anymore, it's not cute, it's just constant stress and pressure and shame and guilt, where it be maybe because one is on meds and the others isn't, one is taking injections, the other isn't, one feels like morning sickness, the other one doesn't. Like, what advice would you get? And they're literally just about to throw the towel. They're like, I am done. Yeah. So again, first thing is like, of course you feel like that. Like, give yourself some permission. It's okay to feel like that. It's okay to be struggling. It's okay to feel resentful. Nothing's wrong with you for feeling that way. I think it's easy to look out in the world and hear like, oh, we should be nicer than that. We should, you know, be more caring of our partner and feel really bad about ourselves in that moment. So that's step one is like, it's okay that it's been tough. It's okay that you feel burnt out. Yeah. Um, and then just deciding how you want to proceed. What do you want to feel through your time towards motherhood? What do you want to feel as a mother? And like, how can you cultivate even little simple slices of joy and purpose and presence that you want to have as a mother in the future right now, whether you're pregnant or not, whether you're in an active trying to conceive cycle or not. Like, yeah. I think about, I want to have this connected, loving energy with my spouse in front of my kids one day. So yeah. let me try to practice that now, right? Like if I forget about that now and then five years from now, I luckily have a baby, it's not going to yeah. just magically come back. It takes work and it's okay that it takes work and it's not going to go from burnout resentful to perfect overnight. It's going to take time and it's okay to get support to make that happen, whatever that is for you. And like I know communication is like the cliche thing, but like seriously, just talking and hearing each other out, I think is so important. And sometimes that may mean going to someone else, like where it be counsel therapy or talk therapy, because sometimes it's like you are so stuck in your thoughts and your ways and your behaviors and your feelings that the other individual may be talking to you. And it's like, you're lit you're you can hear them but you're not listening to them like yeah. I yeah I, I hear sound but it's not going in because I'm already stuck in my emotions mm -hmm. and all the drama I'm living so I feel like I need to be validated mm -hmm. and sometimes you just need someone to say hey listen this is the issue between you two I I'm, a, I'm an outsider looking in I'm telling you what's up this is the action plan and sometimes you need someone to tell you what to do yeah yeah and I think that the way I talk about it with women is it's almost as if like you are on your mountain, you're climbing your yeah. own journey. I'm not on your mountain. I'm not telling you what rock to, to grab or anything, yeah. but I'm on my own mountain and like you up close in it and what you can see versus what I can see from miles away. It's two totally different perceptions of the exact same thing. And sometimes that different view is able to give you all you need to like be able to make huge changes. Even if it's like the first step, the first baby yes. step, the first guide, yes. like this is just, just begin to do this. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward. Maybe you don't even want to do it in the first place, but at least give yourselves a try because you guys have come so far in the process that mm -hmm. you don't, you don't, you, 
at the bottom you do love each other but it's just in this whirlpool of emotions in this whirlpool and where we are in the situation um sarah i listened to your podcast i listened to episode 36 mm -hmm. what do you think for the couples that they're so stuck in their ways they're going through this they don't even have sex anymore because they're just like it's, it's stressful like we've already had a miscarriage what what do you think about scheduling sex was it episode yeah. 36? Yes. Was it episode yes. Uh-huh. Yes. It's such a good one because, because when you talk to women, so many women are so frustrated by like, I never want to have sex again. Mm. I have it on my calendar that this month is ovulation. And so I have to do it. And I feel miserable going into it. But like that episode we talk about, think back to your dating days when you like we're all excited, got all dressed up and like primmed and prepped yourself. Like you were preparing for that moment. It was scheduled. Like it was okay that it was scheduled then, but now magically like we're married and we're years into our, you know, relationship or whatever it is. And we're not allowed to do that anymore. And that's kind of dumb. Like it, it really is. And also like there's something, there's some like error that we're thinking that if we schedule it, if we plan it, like it's not going to be as good. It's not as oh, it's quality. Forced. It's forced. It's, it's not spontaneous enough. And the truth is, is that like the loving kindness of saying, Hey, I'm going to put this on my calendar. And like, when I say put this on the calendar, what I mean is like, I'm going to intentionally at this time of the week, show up intimately with my husband, whether that is like, I'm going to sit down with him and just talk with him about what's going on in my life. We're going to cuddle and that's going to be it. Or it's going to be a full blown session. Like it doesn't matter, right? Like just the fact that like I put intention towards that time together it becomes a process. You start to look forward to you. You start to anticipate it, both of you. And rather than it being this anticipation of like, oh, this is going to be terrible. Like I've been there. I have felt that. I have felt like ugh, the ovulation smiley face is blinking. These are the three days. Like I got to do it and I don't want to. Like I, I'm going to be completely honest. I have felt that. And I think that what we talk about in that episode is that there is another way rather than it being this anticipation of dread, it can be this anticipation of excitement to those moments. Yeah. But also she shares a really good tip in that episode about um, when your brain is trying to tell you it's going to be awful and it, you don't want to do it and you're too tired and I'm just so burnt out on this journey mm -hmm. and I'm cold, like all the things, right? And she talks about saying like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's going to be awful, but like maybe, just maybe it might actually be really good. And opening up the window just a little bit to the possibility, like you might actually enjoy this encounter, um, I think helps us like get back into getting into those types of routines. I do the same thing with women about approaching a next cycle, whether they're tracking their cycle, they're going through yeah. IUIs, IVF, when they are like down in the doubts in the pits of like, this cycle isn't going to work out. I know it's not going to work out. It's not to say like, oh, I need you to go to positive poly and like have all the belief. It's to say, yeah, maybe it won't work out. Maybe this won't be the month, but maybe just maybe it will be. And just that little sliver of possibility is enough to like open up the doors. 
I love that. That possibility comes with hope. It comes with mm -hmm. faith. It comes with reassurance. It comes with love. It comes with patience. It comes with just per perseverance as well. And like you say, it's like when we were going on date night, yeah. we would plan it. We would get cute. We would like uh -huh. pick out. We would make sure the underwear is matching. Yes, we, yes. Would, we would like, you know, where you wax down there, where you shave, like whatever <laughs> you do, however you like it. It's like taking that time. What do you like? What perfume? What body cream are you going to use? Body cream, you're going to use oil. And in, in the journey, it's an act of self-love towards ourselves because yeah. we make time for ourselves. We make sure we're good, what you enjoy. And even if it means just cuddling, cuddling is okay. We'll be like um, a movie. Or even if it means going for an ice cream, but just being together and making time mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. both of you and just chilling and relaxing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Tell me, tell me about trust, like trust and and. And just overcoming that hurdle and, and climbing that mountain and be like, I trust the process because I'm with you. Yeah. And I think that trust is one of those emotions. Um, I talk a lot about hope being one that people are almost afraid to have. They feel like they're going to be burnt by it, right? Yeah. Like if I have trust, if I have hope and then this doesn't work out, like then something's gone wrong. I've messed up. Like I, I've set myself up for more disappointment. I've set myself up for more sadness. Yeah. And what I do think, unfortunately, we have to accept is that when we choose to trust, when we choose to hope, when we choose to believe in possibility, we do open ourselves up to a little bit of pain. And yeah that's part of the process. We all know that when we choose to love someone, that's a very vulnerable act to do that. Same thing with these emotions. And we run the risk. We run the risk of um, our trust being... Okay. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's... The heartbreak, the heartbreak, the trust issues. Mm -hmm. You don't know if you've gone through trauma before. You don't know if it's going to trigger you yeah. or whatever that may be. Yeah. But I think what's important to know is even though we have to accept it's vulnerable, even though we have to accept, yes, it could be broken yeah. at the same time, having so much trust does not mean one day when something bad happens, it's going to make that more painful. So the best example I have, I talk about this a lot in the two week wait, right? Like mm -hmm. the two weeks after you try to conceive and you're waiting to find out if you're pregnant Women will talk about being so afraid to have hope because if they have all this hope, then it's going to be more disappointing when they have yeah. a negative test. And what I have pushed back on is I actually find that when I let myself to have the hope, when I let myself believe in the possibility, most of the time I don't feel more in pain when I have that negative test. Yeah. Sometimes I actually feel more like at peace. And so I think that's the thing we have to push back on is like, it's okay to have that trust yeah. and be vulnerable. And that's not some naive thing that you're doing. That's going to make you more pain down the road. And if we do it the other way, if we intentionally avoid the trust, avoid the hope and just have worry and doubt and fear and dread. It will eat you alive. That yes, but it's also intentionally creating a bunch of pain now in hopes of not having pain over here, which is dumb. We're just trading pain here for there versus, versus like, hey, let's at least enjoy life right now while we can. 
And I tread lightly with that because this is not like, oh, you have to be positive. You have to be, you know, all in your good feels and there can be no negativity. It's okay for the negativity to be there, but it's also safe and okay and good to have trust, to have hope, to believe in possibility, to have love. And there's a risk involved in that. And that's just part of life. For sure. How do you manage the two-week wait? Because for, for a female, it can cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. And, and that could come out in many ways, right? Where it be working too much, where it be eating too much. Uh, you don't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, cleaning too much. How do you manage yours? So the number one piece of advice you'll hear from everyone going through infertility during the two-week wait is to distract yourself is to go do a puzzle, get a book, go on vacation, see a friend, do anything you can. Again, what all that is, is, oh my God, it's scary to feel tough emotions. Like, let me go over here and do all the distraction so I don't have to feel those tough emotions. And what's ironic is that when we do that, we make that tough emotion travel the whole two weeks. And so what I um, offer instead is that we have those moments, again, even if they're a minute or two a day, where we acknowledge, hey, I do feel worried about if this cycle is going to work. I am feeling totally doubtful about the fact that I have no symptoms yet and I'm freaking out and I'm thinking about all the symptoms, right? And just being okay with feeling that way, magically what we quickly realize is when we do do that, it tends to dissipate. Like we aren't just feeling dread 24 hours for two weeks. We feel some dread, we allow it, we process it. And then we actually have room to like go do things we enjoy just because we want to do them, not because we're trying to distract. And it's like such a more fun way to go through the two week wait. I actually created a workbook. It's free. Like people can go to my site and download it. And it is a workbook that has like a reading prompt and a journal prompt and a meditation for every single day of the two weeks. And it talks about a bunch of the different emotions that typically come up and you can do them in any order that you want to do them. But it's all just to encourage you to take even just five minutes a day to just check in and allow what's happening. And then you have room to go live your life, work, go on vacation, see friends because you're present not because you're distracted. I love that. That makes it so manageable. That makes it so gentle. Mm -hmm. It gives us an element of peace of mind as well. Mm -hmm. How important is community? Because sometimes we'll be going through this journey alone and it's like, I don't, I don't even know who I can relate to. How important is it to to connect to other females, to connect to people like you that, that are working with the field that are also going through the journey too? Yeah, I think it's, it's super helpful. Um, it can feel very, like you said, isolating and lonely to be going through this process if we're not speaking about it at all. And if we are trying to, and we're sharing with a bunch of people who have never been through it and just do not understand, it can feel very invalidating, right? Yeah. They don't mean to say mean comments. They don't mean to be disparaging with their comments, but they're coming out that way because they just don't understand. They don't know what you're going through. They don't see it the way you see it. And that's okay. Um, So I think it is a gift to put yourself in situations where you can connect with people going through something somewhat similar to what you're going through, whether that is a support group. um, There are amazing communities on Instagram, on Facebook. My, My biggest concern with social media groups is it is a common place for people to go and post a bunch of fear 
about their own journey, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I got pregnant and now I'm bleeding, right? And it can almost be more. Would they post that? Would they would oh, would they yeah. say that? Uh-huh. For real? Oh yeah, every day on the Facebook. Sarah, group. Sarah, yeah. that's very raw, yeah. Sarah. Like, I, if I if I'm going through this journey, I'll be traumatized. Yeah, exactly. I'll be like. Exactly. I, like I don't that's that's that that's not very calming to me. No, exactly. So I that's one thing I say is that there are women who either dive into all of those social media groups and they're just being triggered, triggered, triggered all day long by all the posts. Um, so I always hesitate to recommend those. If you're gonna be in those groups, I find the best way to be in them is to have them like silence so they're not showing up on your feed all the time. And if you need to go ask a question, if you need to go research something, then you can intentionally go in there and look at yeah. it. But it's not like showing up on your page every day. Um, but honestly, I love live in-person settings. So whether that is like like I personally locally where I live host an in-person monthly support group. Wow. Um, if you can't get to that, there are amazing ones. If you can't get to that, there are absolutely virtual ones too. But being live in person, talking to people, even virtual, it's going to have a much more calming, like gentle presence than the social media ones do. The best organization that's actually what I'm a part of that I host my support group through is Resolve. They have directories of support groups all over. So it's the best place to look. But that would be one thing. The other thing is think about your support system. So whoever you're going through, one of the things I hear again and again and again from women is I tried therapy. I tried this. I tried that. But like that person didn't really know infertility. They were trying to be understanding, but they didn't really know that. And they would say things that were actually really hurtful. Now that therapist, that counselor, that whoever didn't mean to coach even didn't mean yeah. to say something hurtful, but they just, you, you can't, like, you like, it's, like it's not their journey. Ju- uh-huh. Yeah. It's not their journey. Like they can only show through empathy. They can only, f- yes. right. And, and people will show it in different ways. Yes. Some people are very blunt. Some people are very sweet and yes. gentle. Some people, so it's just knowing what kind of taste what kind of flavor do you like in your support group or how do you want to be reassured? Right. Right. And like, I have women who will say like, Oh my God, it's so nice to like complain about this medicine. And like you, I don't need to explain it to you. I don't need to tell you the side effects. You're just like, Oh yeah, I know I've been there. Right. Like that's reassuring to have a place where you can do that with anybody, a friend, a whoever. Um, so I encourage everybody, even the gift of the ones that are more social media based or for the people who don't feel comfortable speaking out, you can just follow and listen to advocates out yeah. there, especially on Instagram and not have to be the one sharing your story, but also not feel as alone. And that's a really yeah. great gift. That's beautiful. It's beautiful to know that it, that there's help out there. There's support groups, like you're hosting them, they're live. Mm-hmm. And even just with caution, the Facebook groups as well, like intentionally going into it. And mm-hmm. if you have a question, asking it. When it comes to honoring loss, so we've done our IVF, we had hope, we've had a miscarriage. How can we make peace with the situation? Mm. Yeah, so... Grief is is a tricky one. I always talk about grief as like, it's such a hard emotion to get our hands around because grief is not one emotion. Grief is this huge basket of a bunch of different emotions. Um, So that's number one. Number two is we feel so ill-prepared with dealing with our emotions that when something like grief comes along, we're like, I'm out. I don't want to deal with that. 
we do everything we can to avoid it. Um, or we go the other direction and we ask everybody like, how am I supposed to do this? Right. What am I supposed to do? How long am I supposed to, supposed to feel like this? Yeah. When do I start trying again? Like, how do I do this? And the truth is no one can answer that for you. No one. We're all going to experience it totally different. And I am a huge advocate for anyone who tells you, you need to wait X amount of time until you try again or a load of crap. Because like, there's not going to be this magical day where the grief is gone of your loss, whatever your loss was. And you're going to be like, okay, I'm, I've moved on. I have no more grief. That doesn't exist. Now your grief will change in intensity and frequency with which it shows up naturally over time. Yeah. Um, but you know, after our first miscarriage, I tried the next month. I was still grieving. I was still in pain. I still grieve that loss, but that felt right to me. Someone else, it might be a totally different, like I yeah. need to take six months and that's okay. Um, trying for our second, we had two miscarriages back to back. We took six months off because that felt right. So it's really a lot of self-trust of just listening to your journey of what feels right to you. Um, and if that feels really hard to do, if you're not sure how to navigate that, that I always say is a sign that it's time to get some support to help you walk through that journey. A hundred percent. And knowing that your grieving will be different to your partner's grieving. I saw mm -hmm. an interview with Jenna Kutcher and mm -hmm. she was like saying she would physically cry. And her husband was like, mm-hmm. So it's just understanding that mm -hmm. your grieving will be very different. Do you do anything in particular where it be like a love letter to the baby oh, or, or, yeah, or, or like, or like flowers or like just like an offering or I don't know. So, um, in the past, I would say I typically had like a savings of some mementos was typically what I did. Um, recently though, in the last year I connected with someone who she creates um, her company is called Hold Ceremony. She creates these boxes to hold a ceremony. Now, she'll hold ceremonies for like the changing of the seasons, for becoming an adult, for becoming a mother. Um, like for when you get your period? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All of these different things for going through your graduation, like all these different things. But it's like a box of intentional things included that you bring out, whether that's a candle like the one that I've done had a candle, it had tea, it had wish paper you wrote wishes on and burned. Um, it had water involved. It had all these different things. She has one that takes you through infant loss, whatever infant loss is, a miscarriage, a stillbirth, an actual, you know, infant loss, whatever that is. Um, and goes through readings and recommendations of like poems to talk about, but also resources to tell you where you would maybe look up something else and hold a ceremony. Like it was such a weird thing to have gone through three miscarriages and think like, we don't have like, a that's definitely, that's definitely something I would do. Like, yeah. I'm just like, I'm out here putting flowers, yeah. but whatever, whatever brings you peace, whatever yes. gives you that feeling of like, okay, I did my bit. I've done what I could. I'm surrendering. That's definitely, what's it called again? Hold ceremony. Hold ceremony. I've actually, she has a podcast with me, so I don't know the number, but she has a podcast with me where we talk about them and we talk about like, it doesn't have to be a box. You don't have to buy anything. You can just like 
listen to us about the ideas food, and the then intention start creating whatever you want to do in that moment and have a ceremony, have a moment where you honor it. Um, and we did it last fall and our, our, it was three years after our last, our first loss, two years after our other two losses, but still, even in that moment, like it felt so healing and so peaceful to be able to do that. Um, my husband, like you said, we all experience things differently. He was like, we're doing what? <laughs> like, Just come along. Like oh, we're doing it together. And afterwards he was like, oh, like I, like I really enjoyed that. Like I really am grateful we did that. Like I wouldn't have probably thought to do it, but like the process was really healing and I'm glad we did it. Um, How do we explain it to our partner? Does that make sense? Because as females, we're very emotional beings mm -hmm. where, you know, our body will tell us what's up. We feel some kind of way. We've just, we've gone through this process. We've had a miscarriage and now we want to do this. How can we, because some men are just like down. Yes, baby, let's go. And some men will just look at us and be like, wait, what? So I always push back on the fact that we're all emotional human beings. Some are just better practiced at it than others. So sure. the more we show up in that light with our partner and encourage it out of them, even if that is just like, are you feeling pissed off that like something happened in our life today and like letting them talk about it, yeah. the more that when I ask them to like sit with me and feel their emotions while we're grieving is going to feel natural. Now, if you've never talked emotions in your entire relationship and you all of a sudden <sighs> like do this, they're going to be like, whoa, this is a little bit too much yeah. probably. And that's okay. Like, it's okay if that is what happens and then you just decide, like, this is something that's going to be for me. Mm -hmm. But I think if we weave these little bits of practices, hey, we're going to see the IVF doctor for the first time next month and I'm really nervous. And hearing what they have to say about it, like, that conversation on an ongoing basis is going to make you realize, hey, they're just as emotional as me. They're just not as familiar about talking about it. Beautiful. For the person that's been in a relationship but has, they they struggle to kind of talk about their feelings or struggle about, you know, it's like we're together, we're together, but we don't really express our feelings, anger, pain, hurt. Mm -hmm. We we put our guard up to, sh to kind of hide the vulnerable side. Mm -hmm. What baby steps can we take? Mm. So... I, I'll be the first one to say that. So my background is that I come from working in medicine, scientific type A analytical brain. Um, was it labs? What kind of um, healthcare? I so I was a physician assistant. So I worked in the ER um, caring for patients. I, I have a healthcare background too. So I work in, um, so I'm trained inside theaters, like passing the instruments, uh -huh. putting the patient to uh -huh. sleep. But I tend to work in when post-operative care, when yeah. the patient wakes up. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I've worked in the ER and then also in primary care. Um, and I now see no patients anymore. Maybe I will someday, but right now I don't. Um, but my brain was very much that direction of thinking, right? And when I was searching for my own support, my own healing, and people were telling me to feel my feelings, I was like, what is this woo-woo crap that you guys are talking about? So I get it. Like, I really do. And what I think is the thing that I'm able to provide with the way that I talk about things is for the type 
a thought-based, fact-based mm. brain, we talk a lot about what are the facts of what's going on? What are you thinking about what's going on? And then how is that creating all the downstream effects, your feelings, how you're showing up, all of the results that you're getting in the situation? Um, and it's this very scientific based and cognitive-based therapy way of thinking through how our brain works. And I think what that allows us to do is for those, like I have clients who I ask them, how are you feeling today? And they can instantly identify their feeling where I have other clients. They don't know what they're feeling. They're not in tune with it, but yeah. they can tell me, Hey, this is what I thought today. And then we can okay. work with that and get to the emotional side of things. So either is okay. That's beautiful. As long as we give it that thought and that intention, less, mm -hmm. I want to do this. I want to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. I want to go through this. Um, Sarah, I saw your post, red light therapy. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Red light therapy. It's, it's in the background here, actually. So red light therapy, I would say from the research that I've done, the thing that I find most interesting is that it improves mitochondrial function yeah. and blood flow. Um, and so there have been some studies to say stimulation. So think like, um, e-stimulation with like acupuncture needles or, um, red light, these different things can potentially improve blood flow to the uterus. Um, and the uterus ovaries are areas that have a lot, a lot, a lot of mitochondria. We think of it as being like in the brain, but actually I believe the ovaries have the most mitochondrial of, of all cells in the human body. Um, and so doing anything to support those, to support fertility, you know, it's, it's likely not to be a huge harm. So I'm willing to try it and see if it could potentially be a benefit. Um, as with everything, if like, I would be hesitant to not say this as with everything, things aren't studied in pregnancy. So it's something that I do like in preparation for a cycle. But the second that we've like done a transfer or tried to conceive, then you stop until you find out if you're pregnant. So do you do anything else? Um, yeah. So acupuncture, um, okay. I have got, have you seen benefits? Some people love it. Yeah. So I, the, the thing that I have seen the most, again, my type A analytical brain, the thing I've seen the most data research supporting is acupuncture supporting, again, improved blood flow to the uterus. So if someone has an issue with lining, like their lining getting thick enough, then yes, there's a bunch of data to support that acupuncture can be really beneficial for that. I personally don't have that issue. Like I've never had that issue with the lining. Yeah. So for me, it's more, it's a nice relaxing experience and hopefully it's, you know, calming my nervous system. Um, that's just being honest. The other things that I've done have been twofold. One has been working with um, massage therapists trained in fertility massage. And the, really? Yeah. Wow. And then the other has been working with a physical therapist who does pelvic floor physical therapy, but okay. everybody thinks of pelvic floor as like, oh, they just help people not pee on themselves, but they do a lot more than that. And so she's been trained in fertility-based pelvic floor physical therapy. So honestly, the two of them do very similar techniques. Um, some of it around literal like massage mobilization. People are like, where are they massaging? Typically, it's like your lower abdomen. Um, like over it's uncomfortable I don't like people touching my tummy <laughs> I know they like I feel like it's gonna bring me cramps or something I'm like please no I'm sensitive in those areas I remember the first time I went I'm like I am really nervous like I've been to massages I love massages they're so relaxing but, but on my back have someone like massage my belly sounds so weird but 
It's been, it's been fine. You get, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely like at first I'm like, oh my God, am I going to be ticklish? It's been okay. Um, so it, it, interestingly, I've actually been found it at times to be somewhat painful. Now what they're doing is they're massaging deep around your ovaries. And if there were to be any scar tissue, anything like that, they're trying to break that up and stuff like that. Also, again, everything is about blood flow, increasing blood flow to that area. Um, and so I've done that a handful of times. Um, and I'm trying to think that's the main things. Yeah. Supplements. Yeah. So my transition, right. I was in the ER working again, a medical provider, went to primary care, started studying functional medicine, um, considered going into working just in functional medicine and supporting people trying to conceive that way. Um, but I was doing this and so I didn't want to be doing this to other people and that I was like going from provider to provider to provider to do all the tests, all the supplements, all the diets, and not actually just like loving myself more. Not that anything is wrong with functional medicine. I studied it. I love it. It's very interesting and it can be very beneficial. Um, But sometimes like it's okay if your diagnosis is, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Everybody hates that word unexplained in front of infertility. But there are a lot of women that have that diagnosis and that's okay. We can still love ourselves, take care of ourselves and try to go through the process. So yes, I I do take supplements. I take things for like egg quality. He takes things for sperm quality going into like an egg retrieval. Um, I take things leading up to transfers now. Like I take pomegranate because it's supposed to, again, help with blood flow and lining leading up to the transfer. Um, Yeah. So did you, did you change career? Are you like career progression too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I, I completely, I, I started coaching as a side thing. And okay. then as I built into it and found that I really enjoyed it as much as I do. And sadly to say in America and the way our healthcare system is set up and how long we get to sit with a patient and talk to them, I'm able to change someone's life coaching them way more than I'm able to change someone's life refilling their prescriptions in five minutes and saying goodbye. So I, I don't see patients anymore. And the hospital will always be in you, like the right, care, right. the patients, the love, right. because I'm also, um, I took a year out. So it's now just, yeah, I'm not going back anymore. I've made a decision, but it's knowing that that love and that care, that empathy will always yeah, be within you. Absolutely. Even you don't need to wear scrubs. You don't need to be in the setting. You don't have to, you know, and, and you know, you're doing your part. Sarah, what is your favorite book? My favorite book. Oh, that's tough. I would say it's interesting. It's completely unrelated to anything we've talked about. Um, there was a book called The Book Thief. Okay. And it was just like a, f- a book, a fiction book that I read in elementary school like Beautiful. that long ago. And I've read it multiple times since because I just loved reading it. So Beautiful. Gentle. It just goes to show and makes your inner child like happy yeah. and, and just like because you go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would it say? Oh, it's okay to feel your emotions. We need everyone to know that so yeah. badly and everyone's yeah. so afraid to do it a hundred percent because sometimes maybe it's safe to feel your emotions uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. and it's okay like it can feel really daunting and and really stressful but it's not that bad once you feel it once you get to know yourselves and allow yourself to feel it because sometimes we spend so much time so much energy trying to run away mm-hmm. and doing other things like numbing ourselves that is like 
we're just in this little hamster wheel that isn't it's yes. not solving the root cause yes. um sarah tell me about your podcast yeah, the Path to Motherhood podcast, I go on on a weekly basis, and either it's me sharing ideas, ways to think about things on your path to motherhood, whatever that yeah. looks like, to make it, I always say, a little bit less miserable, to make it so that you can live a life and enjoy the present moment while also trying to conceive. Um, and then I also, as you heard, have people on to share ideas, give support on different tough topics that happen through infertility. Beautiful. Sarah, tell me about you. Tell me about your services. Yeah. So I am a one-on-one -on -one coach. So I work with women one-on-one. -on -one, so you don't have to go and share your story with a bunch of people. It's just me listening. Like I said, my goal is to be 100% non-judgmental of whatever your journey is. I had a client recently who was like, I want to talk about deciding about a surrogate, but are you okay with it? I'm like, absolutely. Like, I don't like whatever you want to talk about. Um, and so I meet with women and support them and teach them coaching thought-based mm -hmm. work things to help them manage what is the infertility roller coaster. Beautiful. Tell me about your website. Tell me about your socials. Yes. SarahBrandell.com. And then I live mostly either, like I said, on the podcast or on Instagram at Sarah Brandell beautiful sarah just wanted to say a great big massive thank you thank you for taking the time to come on gentle touch thank you for being such a light and being open and living so sometimes they say in pain lies our purpose right mm -hmm. so you're that that light for someone else you're that guidance you're that reassurance because it can be really scary like we'll be from loss we'll be with miscarriage we'll be um our relationship with our body will be our relationship with our spouse and navigating like it is so hard so I just want to say thank you for being you thank you thank you so much for having me you're very welcome sweetie